0: Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine. Insight, inspiration, and wisdom for living a more mindful, peaceful, and joy filled life. Episode number 22. Welcome to a new episode of Zen for Everyday Life. I am Matt Valentine, and this is the official Budaimonia podcast. Uh, you can visit Budaimonia.com to get my weekly blog posts, mindfulness and meditation guides, the all of the podcast episode show notes, my books, and various other resources as well. Plus, you can join the weekly Buddhaimonia newsletter, at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. That's B-U-D-D-H-A as in Buddha. And then the letter is I-M-O-N-I-A.com forward slash newsletter. And uh, you can get a couple of really cool free gifts, including my ebook, The Little Book of Mindfulness, uh, which is, uh, it's very much an Z introduction to the practice of mindfulness. So you can check out that again at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. And today we're going to talk about the regrets of the dying. It's uh specifically keys that I realized as a result of researching the top regrets of the dying. And when I say the top regrets of the dying, for those that aren't familiar, I'm referring specifically to a what was originally a blog post and then eventually turned into a book by the author. It was a uh, It was a post done by a hospice nurse. Named Bronnie Ware, and she had studied her patients for a many number of years, and it was essentially interviewing them in a way, and asking them what their their greatest regrets were, and uh, you know it started out as a as just a process of inquiry and 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 just uh, just wondering what they were thinking as they were many of them literally on their deathbed, and. Uh, the rest not very far off. And so it is me taking these, she, she summarized the top five regrets. But when I saw these, and there's a lot of articles written online, you can find if you just type in top five regrets of the die online. I'm going to link to in the show notes, the original post done by her. But if you just type in a Google, you'll see a a zillion reposts of those top five regrets. But I didn't want to just Repost that because it was interesting. I understood fundamentally why it was interesting, interesting to me, and I, I assume that was probably why it was interesting to other people. In that you hear that there are these regrets that these people had on their deathbed, and the top regrets amongst a large group of people is even is far more interesting. And so you hear these, and and you wonder, well, what are these things that they wish that they had done? And the the question arises you know, we wonder how we can live without regrets. We want at the end of our life to feel like we had, we were fulfilled, like we had a fulfilling life and that we didn't leave anything behind. And that's fundamentally what's so interesting, I believe, about this to so many people. But I want I didn't want to just take these regrets and just, you know, just take them at face value. If you do that, they're just really nothing more than, than interesting but I wanted to take them and really break them down and find out what are the, the common elements within each of these regrets. Do they break down to some sort of fundamental element or you know, two or three fundamental elements that I can then take and emphasize in my life so that I can essentially live a life of no regrets? And the opposite of that would be to live a fulfilled life. I was essentially saying, if I analyze this and I find out what the common denominators or denominator is or are, I might be able to find out what the key is to a fulfilling life. And at the time that I originally studied that, that's, uh, that's a little bit of a, a simple or simplistic way of looking at it, but still I knew that I'd be able to find some really important insights. And so today is when I taught today I'm going to talk about really what I discovered the common denominators to that and what I believe as a result of that are some fundamental keys to essentially living a life of no regrets living a, a at least more if not much more fulfilling life a life where you're on your deathbed and you don't feel as though you left something undone so I think that's so important And uh, of course, the effort isn't to just make your life to where when you're sitting on your deathbed, you feel fulfilled. You want to live now as best as you can. But they are are really the same thing, as you'll see when we go over the different common denominators. So I'm excited to get to today's episode. Uh, But before we do, if you would like to support the podcast, uh, there are two ways to go about doing that. Uh, You can purchase my new book, This Moment, how to live fully and freely uh, in the present moment. And uh, you can do that by going to thismomentbook.com. You can get all the information for the book. You can check out there's the ebook, the uh, paperback version, audiobook, all kinds of different additional material and such. So again, that's thismomentbook.com. Or you can donate or become a regular reoccurring supporting member, whichever your choice, by going to buddhaimonia.com forward slash support. And uh, there it's easy and super simple to donate. Uh, You can check out using multiple options, including PayPal. And your donation will pay for the time as well as the money that I put into the podcast. And uh, however you choose to support the podcast, it will allow me to continue bringing you great content each week. So having said that, let's get to today's episode. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the three keys to a fulfilling life, which I discovered while researching the top regrets of the dying. Now, when I started Budaimonia, which at this point is over two years ago, which is crazy to think, I wrote a six-part series on the top five regrets of the dying. So my top, my first six posts were all devoted to this. And I just really wanted to to break each individual regret down in and of itself. I didn't want to just bunch them up together. I looked at each one individually and I wrote an entire post for them. And then I did a roundup at the end, the sixth post, where I brought them all together to kind of find the unifying, you know, the common denominators. And then later on, after I would eventually take those posts down in order to update them, I found out new insights on top of that. So, but this was a study originally done by a hospice nurse named Bronnie Ware. And uh, it was mostly born from curiosity in her patients. And it it makes perfect sense. We're all curious in this, essentially. Uh, You know, what are the things that we will regret on our deathbed? What are the things that we wish we would have done? Or that so many other people wish that they would have done so that we can avoid those so that we can live a life to where we don't have those regrets, to where we do live a more fulfilling life. And uh, there's a sort of wisdom in, uh, in death. There's a sort of wisdom in those, those last moments where, you know, the process of, of, of death, it's something that we, we kind of ignore, uh, we don't place a lot of attention on. In the West, particularly the U.S., I can't talk for outside of the U.S., but I know in the U.S. that we don't put a lot of attention on it or we don't put the right kind of attention on death. Particularly, of course, I'm talking about when you're in the position to where you know that you're that you're slowly dying or that you have a certain amount of time left. Uh, there's the tendency to you maybe lie to the person give them hope and think that they're going to live longer, whatever it is, the the entire point is essentially not accepting the the process, not just turning into it, facing it, and just accepting it for what it is that this is going to happen, and just being fully, fully in this, this process. Just know I am going, and I'm just being fully in with this process and allowing everything to unfold as it will. And when you allow that to happen, and sometimes even whenever that isn't, when we don't allow that to happen, and it doesn't always happen. Some people, even on their deathbed, they're as stubborn as as they ever were in their lives. But I've seen enough cases of this to know that it's it's common enough. As long as we allow ourselves to unfold, and even a lot of times, again, even if we don't allow ourselves to unfold, that that with death comes this sort of wisdom, because If you weren't able to let go before, well, this process of just this knowing that you're going to die, that you're about to be gone, you know, uh, potentially forever from the world, it just allows, it just compels us to begin to let go of everything that we were holding onto in our lives. All those different little, the petty squabbles, the fights, the opinions and the bias, the anger and the fear. And all that stuff can just begin to roll away. And that's what I mean when I say the wisdom of death, is when these things begin to drop away, we gain this incredible level of clarity. And that's the reason why people can often gain such an incredible amount of peace right before death. It's because for the first time in their lives, they're allowing themselves to let go, to no longer be bound by this various conditioning and the the karmic factors, the karmic conditioning that that bound us throughout the course of our life. And that is right alongside the topic of, of regret. These regrets are things that we had wished that we had done. They're things that throughout the course of our life, we were, you know... Vaguely or very much so aware of. Either way, to some degree, we were aware of them, but for one reason or another, we just never did anything about it. So now we're here on our deathbed and we can't help but let go of it. Because, you know, all we ever needed was just enough motivation. We were. You know, a lot of times we get comfortable. We get comfortable with our situation, even if we don't we don't like it, we just we don't hate it necessarily, or we're scared of the opposite, we're scared of taking action, we're scared of of change. And so this incredible motivation, this incredible encouragement to let go takes over us because we know that this is our last chance to let go. And I think sort of intuitively, I've talked about this before, that we all sort of know that letting go, at least in some regard, is kind of, if not the, if it, it's one of the really important things that we have to be able to do to be happy and, and to find peace. And so in death, you can see that very clearly. Or in uh, in a situation where death is pending. And... So when we're talking about regret we again are talking about these things that we didn't do that we wish that we had done and so as i mentioned these were the top 5 regrets of the of brunhilles patients and so there uh it, it's the sum it's the sum of all of the most commonly mentioned uh, regrets. Uh, And it's possible you may have even read this article yourself online. It's super popular, it got around everywhere. Uh, So you might recognize these, but again, like I mentioned, I'm gonna go into them in detail. We're gonna talk about the common denominator. So I'm kind of just gonna roll through the regrets. I'm gonna mention them, uh, but I'm not gonna go into each of them individually uh, in detail. I will eventually probably be reposting a sort of combination of all of those six posts into one sort of, sort of like major post so that it has some of the comments on each of those individual regrets. Uh, but ultimately, the common denominators talk about handling each one of these. And you'll see there's, there's a lot of similarities between the various different regrets, at least with regards to uh, the cause and the, you know, the quote-unquote cure, the way in which we can work through it more skillfully. So, first, the top five regrets of her dying patients. These are the top five regrets right here. Number one was I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And one thing I want to make sure to mention is that as I read through these regrets, Uh, certain ones will just naturally tug at you. You'll hear that particular regret and you'll just, you might not necessarily know for sure that that's you, but you kind of have a feeling. Like this one fits you in your life. And given the fact that these are the top five regrets, the likelihood is more than one of these will resonate with you. Or hit you, I guess, is a better way to put it. So number two, I wish I didn't work so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. This is a very powerful, and in many ways, it's a gut-wrenching list. You, again, as I mentioned, might notice that you see yourself in one or more of the regrets as I read through them. Now, of course, this can be uncomfortable to face because we're talking about regrets that people have on their, on their deathbed. And so, to identify with one of these is, uh, of course, it's not something that we would prefer. But you know it's it's so valuable to you, to anyone who identifies with this. So long as you're alive and kicking, to identify a particular regret such as this with you means that you have the opportunity to do something about it. And that's part of the whole attraction uh, with knowing these. But again, as I mentioned, I wanted to take it a step further. So it's not just about these five regrets, although knowing these five regrets is very insightful in itself. But it wasn't enough for me just to know what the, the most common regrets were. I wanted to look more deeply into the regrets and find not only why they had the regrets, but what I could do in my own life to make sure that I didn't make these same mistakes. And that was essentially the birth of the six-part series that I mentioned that I did on the blog. And so throughout the series, uh, I broke down each regret in detail, pulling from Bronnie's original account of each regret and then expanding further. One post for each regret, as I mentioned, with the final post summing up my findings, uh, which by at the time, by the way, as I mentioned, it, it was limited. I, since then, I've expanded upon them and further contemplated them. And uh, that's part of what I'm going to mention right now. So what did I find? What was the overall, you know, having broken down each one of the regrets and having looked at the common themes, because that's really what I want to talk to you about. That, those common themes were, to me, that was the real insight. It wasn't just, you know, again, reading and seeing these regrets is powerful, and it can sort of wake you up in a certain way. That to find the common ground among all these different regrets even if they don't all necessarily share the same common ground to find the the few major points that this point that this this uh, essentially pointed to the the major important points with regards to sort of like our our overall well-being our overall ability to have a fulfilling life that's really what was what is important what was the most insightful so What I found essentially can be broken down into three major points, and then I'm going to go a little bit deeper from there. So, uh, first and foremost, there is the three major points upon looking at the five regrets that had to do with, essentially, these are the three points that, that uh, that these regrets point to, at least, with regards to what's ultimately really important. Not really kind of just asking questions like, what do we feel is important? No, just going straight to the regrets, like on their deathbed, what were the things that really bothered them? If they had been able to overcome this or do something that kept them from having this regret, then what would it be? So it's these three main points. Number one, this is something that was pointed to quite a bit throughout uh, more than one of the regrets. And that was the quality of your life is directly correlated with the quality of your relationships. So I attach the second regret, I wish I didn't work so hard, to this. Because quite often when we say that, we mean two things. We didn't spend enough time with our family and friends. And we didn't spend enough time doing the things that we really would have enjoyed to do. And also, of course, number four is I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. So when you look at those two, you can see how our relationships are a huge part of our happiness and our our overall well-being. The quality of our relationships is really what I want to emphasize because we all have relationships, but it's, it's ultimately up to what the quality of those relationships are. Do you talk to somebody or not talk to somebody? When you talk to them, or importantly, when you do talk to them, what kind of conversations do you have? How deep is the relationship? How healthy is the relationship? Uh, Can you confide in one another? Or do you get angry and annoyed with one another constantly? And these things happen happen from time to time regardless. But do you have a deep relationship? Are you strong? Ultimately, as a whole, generally, are you strong? Are you there for one another? Or do you feel like you're just always distant from the other person? Do you feel like you've never been able to have a deep conversation with the other person? Do you feel like the other person themselves is distant from you? Like you're making an effort, but they're always distant from you. And of course, some of these things are two-way streets, particularly with regards to relationships. But when you make your best effort, I believe that if you were to make your best effort, with regards to this, even if you know all of your relationships weren't at the, the the quality that you would want them to be, that you wouldn't you wouldn't be passing with with this sort of regret, because you would know that you gave your best, and maybe you'd have a concern for the person. Of course, certain things are just that's just natural, but if you gave your best effort to improving the quality of your relationships, then I believe that these that partially regret number two and then regret number four, particularly. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and then also I wish I didn't work so hard. And and uh, to some degree, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. That could also be attached to relationships, which uh, is another important point. And I wish that I had let myself be happier. That could also be connected to relationships as well. And uh, well, really, when it comes down to it, each one of these can be attached to relationships to some degree. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That is a tale of relationships. It might not be a personal relationship. It might be kind of a general fear of what others think of of you, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, But whatever it is, it's something to do with our relationship with other people affecting our ability to uh, live a life true to ourselves. So really, when you look at it, all five of these regrets have something to do with the quality of our relationships, so it's such a big, such a big point, and uh, so yeah, these regrets definitely do point to this, to this first, uh, first one being super important. And there's a lot of science out there. I'm not going to cite any specific studies because I mean, you can be find found super easy. You go on Google, the science of relationships, the importance of relationships to our well-being. You know, scientific study. You could type all kinds of things into Google and see that there's a lot of science showing the quality of our relationships. There's one study in particular that I talked about before uh, that was done at Harvard, and the researcher followed a group of followed a group of men that uh, went to Harvard, and he followed them all the way up until, or the study followed them all the way up until the day that they that they died. And uh, that's that was one of the most uh, impressive studies with regards to relationships and the insights that came from that, uh, support this first point quite a bit. So again, the first point, the quality of your life is directly correlated with the quality of your relationships. Now, with regards to what do you do with this, which is probably the most important to go, to go over with regards to each of these three, three, uh, uh, points that I was able to pull from the regrets is to obviously work on the quality of your relationships. And as I mentioned, you do your best. It's a two-way street. If you do your best, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other person wants to reciprocate and work on that relationship as well. Uh, That is, if it was a a two-way street where both of you needed to put work into the relationship, which is more often than not the case. And of course, there's so much that can be done here, but... The most important things that I would direct you to with regards to this practice, this mindfulness practice and meditation that we talk about, is practicing mindful communication, mindful speech, mindful or deep listening, working on being present for those that you care about, no matter what type of relationship it is, working on communicating more mindfully in a more present way and to be fully present for our loved ones. That already is such a big part of it. And just learning how to truly listen and also just you working on yourself, your mindfulness practice itself naturally will lend to the improving of those relationships. Every time you work on yourself, you help everyone around you in the right way. I'm not saying if you make more money, you help everybody around you necessarily. That doesn't mean, you know, you can't say that about everything, but with regards to this practice, with regards to generally spiritual practice as a whole, whatever it is that you do with regards to that or whatever it is that you consider that, whatever you do with regards to your well-being, a lot of times, for the most part, has its effect. In particular, this practice, this mindfulness, this meditation practice that we speak about, this it's a practice which isn't just about you. It's not just you work on yourself and then you help others. By virtue of working on yourself, you help everyone around you. And so quality of your, your relationships doesn't just come down to working on those relationships directly through your practice, but also through emphasizing your practice with yourself as a whole. So number two out of these three major points is the fear of what others may think of you is the primary obstacle uh, in life in many ways for us, or at least the primary initial obstacle. And cultivating the courage to let go and honestly express yourself is essentially the cure for that. The fear of what others may think of you is something I've talked about on the podcast before. It is a really big part of meditation practice as a whole. The fear of what others think of you is attached to uh, what I often call the inner dialogue. Uh, your negative self-talk is its referred to as sometimes. It's that dialogue inside of you. It's that the story I tell about these ragged shoes I would wear was about that, where I'd go out in these ragged shoes, which were my shoes, and I loved the shoes, and uh, which were just totally falling apart. Eventually, I had to get nuanced, but they were totally beaten up. And so I noticed I was actually worried about what other people were going to think about me in these shoes. And this was as my practice began to develop, and I originally didn't really notice this so much before, although it was always there. Uh, but so I'd go out and as I began to become better at listening to what was going on inside of me, I'd notice these different thoughts run through my mind and I'll link to this post in the show notes. Um, but I just, I talk about how these various different thoughts that go through our mind are a part of this internal dialogue, how it's not that the people were judging me, or thinking anything about my shoes. It's, it's that I was thinking that about me. And this fear, and this this can manifest in so many different ways. A lot of this internal dialogue is us telling ourselves in, in, in myriad ways that we're not good enough. You know, it's, it's just that's, that's in a lot of ways what the internal dialogue is. And so this fear, it, it pins us to the ground. It pins us, and this is the number one regret. I don't know if this is actually a good question is whether or not this is in order. I don't think that it ever was, but um, number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. So there's two points, two of the major regrets here directly have to do with fear, with fearing what others think of us, with fearing uh with with the inability to express ourselves in some way the inability to be true to ourselves uh at least on a base level with regards to our actions and our 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 opinions uh and the direction that we want to go with with our life uh so this is it, it's it's a huge 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 point and Again, cultivating the courage to let go and work through this fear of what others think of us, this internal dialogue, to a place where we can more confidently and more honestly express ourselves is the cure. Now, the courage to let go is something that we can cultivate as a result of our mindfulness and meditation practice. Because the only way to develop this courage is to, the only way to learn how to stand up to this fear is to, face, is to turn around and, and face it. More often than not, we're running from it and we're trying to avoid it. But when we turn to face the fear and we face it down no matter how, how scared we are, no matter how uncomfortable it is, eventually we learn to make friends with it because this fear is a part of ourselves. It, it's a natural part of ourselves. And eventually you learn that there's nothing necessarily wrong. There's not something wrong with the fear. Of course, it's not something that you want uh, within you, or at least to this magnitude. Uh, But you learn that it's a natural—it's just a natural occurring part of you. And you face the fear down, and you learn to accept it and be with it, and then it—it transforms in its basic, in its basic nature. You can see it more clearly for—for what it is. You see where it arises. And it may be this is an effect. This is something that arises as a result of being around others for some time in your life. And it's just, it's just the way that it is. It's, it's human nature. But it adds this overwhelming fear that pins you to the ground, that keeps you from honestly expressing yourself. That can dissipate. And that can go away. That can be transformed into this, this inner confidence into this ability to express yourself and to no longer have that fear. Even if some thoughts occasionally arise, you can handle it in a way that's totally different. And so that the entire situation is transformed. So again, the fear of, of what others think of you is the primary obstacle, at least initial obstacle. That's really the, the really big obstacle that we all deal with when we begin to progress in our mindfulness and our meditation practice. Cultivating the courage to let go and honestly expressing ourselves by turning to face the issue, to really work through it, to be with it, not like you're battling it, but like you're making friends with it. This is the practice of making friends with yourself, which I've talked about before. I talk about in in uh, my new book, This Moment, uh, because it's such an important aspect. And in a lot of ways, it's it's where mindfulness and meditation practice meets with the cultivation of true love. True love is not in the Buddhist sense. Uh, you know, in, in in this case, a lot of what we're talking about is self-love, cultivation of self-love really coming together with this mindfulness and meditation practice. So another really important point. And uh, so now number three. Number three is a point that... I discovered was, yeah, I want to be careful in the way that I refer to this, but number three is what I realized was really the major practice that was important with regards to working through all five of these regrets. There are certain things that are important within these individual regrets, uh, but number three really tapped into all of them in a fundamental sense. And uh, you might be able to see this coming, but number three is mindfulness is the key to opening ourselves up. Much like a surgeon opens a patient for heart surgery so that he can find the source uh, of the the problem and fix it, it, we open ourselves up so that we can find the source of these many limiting beliefs this internal dialogue or negative self-talk, as well as to stay fully aware, fully present for our lives as a whole and the direction we're taking. So the ultimate point, the the overall, the overarching thing that this was directing, that each one of the regrets was, was directing to, was the... And this is really the point. This is really the most important point of all, of everything thus far that's been mentioned. Again, like I said, there's individual points within working through the quality of relationships, individual points with regards to working through the internal dialogue. But the overarching point, the most important point of all, is that what was lacking, what essentially, not necessarily caused, but what could keep these regrets from arising is, or what caused them to arise in the first place, is the lack of this basic practice. It's the lack of this basic practice of opening up to ourselves on a regular basis. It's the lack of this daily practice where we would look at our lives or we would look at ourselves more, more closely and more honestly. Open up to ourselves. Turn in to whatever is going on within us to just be with whatever is going on. If you sit down and you feel this doubt, you feel doubt towards yourself as a whole, And uh, a lot of times these things come up in our practice and we don't really know where they're coming from. It's largely random a lot of times. It's just, you're just going through the motions of the practice. And so this comes up. And if in this case, it's a doubt, a fundamental doubt of yourself and your abilities, uh, maybe you have taken a new position somewhere You kind of just feel like crawling into a corner and going back to wherever you were before. You know, like you can't handle this new place, which is supposed to be great, but now you feel like you're just overwhelmed, like you're just not good enough, like everybody around you is better than you, and like you just can't keep up. And you feel like crawling into a corner and just living out the rest of your life in that corner. That corner being exemplifying wherever it was that you were before, where you were comfortable which isn't as good as where you're at now, but you know, at least in certain outward physical ways, um, but at least it's not uncomfortable. And so this practice is to sit and, or just to be with this doubt as it arises and to not deny it and to not say, hey, you got to push through it. You know, being strong and being tough about it is is important. But the toughest thing you can do is to face up to this. It's just to turn into it and be with it. It's to drop your arms. And not to meet it in, in a hostile way. But to just open your arms. And to allow it in. That's the scariest thing of all. But if you can do that, you know, we talk about the courage to live a life true to ourselves. That has to do with and and not the life others expected of us. This has to do with fear, facing up to that fear, facing up to these expectations people have on us, and how we feel about that. I wish I didn't work so hard. There's so many reasons why that might be the case. Some of us, some of us, we were running from something. Other of us, we have the wrong priorities. Our minds aren't clear enough to see what's really important. Uh, so there's that too. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings again. Fear just a, a different shade of that same sort of fear from the, the first regret. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Uh, this is important towards relationships, and it's important to understand that this is something, that you know, the practice can help you realize that it's something that is important to you. This is the, one of the po- only points that doesn't really kind of directly point, you know, you don't see any direct benefit with with. Uh, any sort of mindfulness or meditation practice, and this can be just the simple act of just keeping in touch over over social media or something like that. Um, but even here, you know, your practice can help you can help get you to realize whether this is really something important or not. Uh, number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. This can mean so many different things. A lot of times, what this refers to is that we we there was something that we couldn't let go of, something that you were unwilling to let go of, for whatever reason. And so, if you look at it, for the most part, for the most part, with regards to just about every one of these these uh, regrets, with uh, number four being somewhat of a of an exception, but still very much being important in the practice, having to do with facing something, each one of these five. Regrets has to do with with something which we can face within ourselves that we can work through. It very much has to do with that. Sometimes it has to do with more of gaining clarity. Like number two, I wish I didn't work so hard. This a lot of times is just a, a, a misalignment, a, a, a mix-up of priorities. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. This might be something that we actually care about, or maybe we didn't really care about this, and we're just really thinking that, that it's really just this lack of connection that we feel. Or it could be something important to us. And again, the clarity that we gain through our practice could help us here as well. And so ultimately, it's all something, each one of these things are different things that we can face up to or gain clarity about. And so this practice really is that fundamental step that just... Living with that basic awareness, that basic mindful awareness, and just paying attention to what goes on within us. Paying close attention to it and not running from it. Whatever it is, we continue to pursue it. Each day, we follow this practice. Each day, we work to be mindful. We sit and we practice meditation, and we work to be mindful throughout our day as best as we can. And we pay attention to what's going on within us. And it really is the key that allows us to work through each one of these individual points. There's different ways that that's done. Uh, Again, the two sort of central ways are gaining clarity, namely regrets number two and three, or two and four. I wish I didn't work so hard, and I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Or things that we need to, uh, difficult challenges within us that we have to work through, namely fear. Um or something that we had to let go of in the other three of guts but overall it comes down to that same factor of just living with that keen awareness that mindful awareness paying attention to ourselves being open to whatever comes up and just being with being with ourselves each day even if it's just for a little while we make it a habit to be with ourselves, to just pay attention to the body, what's going on with the, inside of the body, uh, what, to pay attention with, to what's going on inside of our mind, the quality of our, of our mind, of our thinking, of our feelings. So for most people, death becomes really a process of unraveling all of those things which we've clung onto for years as I mentioned in the beginning. Even I've seen those most stuck in their ways can often find peace in their last days because they have no other choice. They have no other choice but to let go of all those things that they've attached themselves to throughout their lives. They have the choice to let go of them or just to die with this with this suffering, with this pain inside of themselves. And, uh, you know, with respect to that, it's, it's kind of like a, a sort of stubbornness that we carry within ourselves. You know, we kind of like, we always knew that, but we just never wanted to let go of it. And so almost, almost sensing the way to peace, it's almost in it, like I said, it's an intuitive thing. Like we always knew that it was there. They intuitively let go and then feel a profound sense of relief, a profound sense of peace. But the thing is, and this is the second most important point. In this episode, Uh, the three major points that the three regrets broke it down to were important, particularly point number three with regards to our mindfulness and meditation practice being the fundamental factor that allows us to work through and keep these regrets from arising within our life. But number two, the second most important point is that this can be done at any point in your life this sort of unraveling process doesn't have to happen on your deathbed if as i mentioned if you learn to follow this practice to use mindfulness as your sort of your ship captain to uncover all of those various different things that are holding you back those fears those that sort of that conditioning those things that you're holding on to And then to start making that, the conscious decision to let go and to move on. And even if you can't feel like you can't do that at first, you just continue to face it. You continue to be with whatever that challenge is. And the more you work on it, the more you're able to sort of loosen that grip and just gradually, gradually work on it. So it's so important. These regrets are things that, as I mentioned at the beginning, as I read through these for the first time, the likelihood is you identified with more than one. And if you just immediately, without even thinking about it, if you just sort of felt this feeling in your gut, if you felt this feeling in your heart, whenever I read a particular regret, the likelihood is you're falling for it. This applies to you. And so... It's imperative that you don't just continue to live your life in this way because you could end up just like one of Miss Ware's patients on their deathbed. It's going to happen before you know it. We only have so long in this life and we only have so much time to take advantage of it, to appreciate it, to just bask in, in the beauty and the, the incredible things, the incredibleness of, of this life, the beauty of this life. Make the decision to find peace right now, in this moment, instead of waiting until it's too late. Because before you know it, you will be lying on your deathbed. Will you have one of these regrets? Will you look back and think, man, I was listening to that podcast. I should have done something about it. Or are you going to think, you know, I, I gave my best effort. And maybe it didn't all turn out perfect. But the point is, you made your best effort. You worked through it. And you were able to finally pass on with no regrets. That you were able to look on back on your life and say, you know what? I gave my best effort. You know what? I didn't pass having all these things on my shoulder that I regret. I'm here and I can say to myself honestly that I really gave my best effort and it made a difference. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Hopefully I didn't end it on too uh, heavy of a note. I wanted to give a a very honest and straightforward uh, message at the end to really sort of hit home, because given the nature of the topic, it is, I think, a necessity to just sort of remind ourselves. I remind myself that we only have so long to live. And so I felt a necessity to do it in a way That really just sort of hit home. So I hope this episode was of value to you. I hope you enjoyed the regrets if you haven't heard them before, the summary points that kind of pulled together the basic message of what we need to do in order to to avoid these regrets, you know, quote-unquote avoid these regrets, and then uh, the end message as well, sort of pulling everything together, and of course the emphasis on our mindfulness and our meditation practice uh which can include more than just uh the practice of mindfulness you know loving kindness also is is important so important as well um but so i hope you enjoyed today's episode and uh having said that um if you enjoyed it please take a moment to uh subscribe to the podcast that way you will get future episodes downloaded straight to iTunes or wherever you choose to listen to the podcast And if you'd like to get more, you can head over to buddhaimonia.com. That's the word Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A, and then dot acom where you can read the blog, you can get the podcast show notes, you can check out various books and other resources that I offer, and then you can sign up to the weekly newsletter at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. And if you'd like to support the podcast, there are two ways to support it. You can go to thismomentbook.com and uh, you can check out my new book and uh, purchase a copy of it. Uh, if you go on thismomentbook.com, all the information is there. You'll see the ebook version, there's an audiobook, uh, there is the paperback as well. There's a few paperback editions and then uh, various different bonuses and extra material and stuff to uh, help you take the material and in, in uh, the book itself. Further. So again, you can go to thismomentbook.com to purchase the book, or uh, you can donate uh, at brymonia.com forward slash support, uh, either a reoccurring donation, become a supporting member, or do a one-time donation as well. And uh, that will allow me to continue bringing you great content each week by supporting the podcast via both the time and money that I put into it. So again, that's buildingmonia.com forward slash support uh, or you can go to thismomentbook.com. And this week's verse for everyday life uh, matches this week's guided meditation, which is cleaning meditation. So here it is. Sweeping this floor, I hope every person will realize how to sweep away the clouds to realize their true nature. And also remember to check out this week's guided meditation, which is mindful cleaning. So an interesting one this week. Uh, Thank you for listening to today's episode and I will see you next week. Peace.